we begin, I, I just, Marie, have you guys actually, you moved here yet? Sweet, sweet. Okay. So I'll keep trying to talk y'all into coming to hang out. So uh, part of the Patty family, I think they're trying to take over. They, uh, some, more, some more of them have moved in the community, so uh, in neighboring suburbs, so that's a blessing. Um, hey guys, what's cool about today, you guys know what we've been doing is we're going through Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis for about a year, uh, which is exciting, right? Praise them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, well, I think we're having a good time so far, and uh, we're learning a lot about um, who we are. We start off by looking at um, uh, how, how God created, and, and the whole focus being obviously the Lord and just his beauty, and that, and that God creates, and he creates out of love. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything um, out of the sense of like, man, I have this need, I'm kind of lonely, but he creates out of the abundance of love. And then what's beautiful is when we look at creation, uh, we begin to see that he begins to prepare um, all the stuff that he does uh, for, for us is that he begins to prepare a place uh, for his prized creation, which I propose to tell you, as we're going to look in today, um, is man and woman, humans. Uh, and so we get to see that he provides us with uh, water and animals and birds, and he provides us, we talked about last week, just um, that we even understand what beauty is, that we like colors, that he would give us, um, just think of the thing that you love most, that he would, we talked about even last week, cheesecake, that he would, that he would give us um, all this stuff uh, for our enjoyment um, and delight and for him to be worshipped. Um, what a beautiful, uh, good Lord that we have, uh, which I propose is um, Genesis 1 is to remind us of his sovereignty, of how powerful he is, how he is other. He's outside of all creation. He is the one who is creating. He is the creator, and we are the created ones. And then what's really cool is that then he gives us all this stuff because he, uh, he's good um, in that way. So that's what we went through uh, last, the last couple weeks. This week, uh, we're talking about something really important here, and that's the question of origin. So we're going to be looking at, uh, like looking at man and woman being created. And this is a very important question, question of origin, okay? Because this is, I would propose, one of the main issues um, as you look at us as being sinners, as you look at uh, what we're doing in our lives, as you even look at us serving this community, and that is um, people, we just don't know why we're created, and if you can distort, if, if, if you can distort this, if you can, if in some way, we're going to talk about this all throughout our time, if you can distort, like, why you're created, if you actually absolutely don't have purpose, right, if you don't have purpose, then what happens is you begin to waste your life. And I propose that's what Satan wants you to do. So basically, this issue of creation is bigger than just learning more about Genesis. It really is just digging deep into your heart and solidifying, understanding where you come from and who you are. It's an issue of destiny, is that do you understand, are you really convinced that each one of us, we have a destiny? We have a purpose. We have, there's a reason why we're created, and then that us to fulfill that reason is our destiny. So, my, so I want to, hopefully I'll do a good job, and the way I can know that is if you leave saying, wow, I'm just not here just hanging out and just trying to like buy a car and pay my rent, but there is purpose to my life. And I have a destiny, and I'm excited about being on that track with Jesus. Okay, fam? So let's jump right in real quick. Let's go to Genesis. We, um, we were in the middle of, um, toward the end of chapter 1, if you remember, and we were in verse 26. Let me grab this real quick. So why we were created is a big picture here, right? Now, 
Here's, here's what Satan does, you know, and I, and I see this over and over again. Um, we try to, you know, and I, I love this, in the world, think about all the movies, you know, some of my favorite movies, basically the movies, and these are, what, I, what, what blows me away, so you have movies like um, Matrix, right, Lord of the Rings, well, I love Lord of the Rings, and actually the author um, loves Jesus, but Matrix, you've got, you got a lot of movies where these people are ridiculous unbelievers, but they get this issue of destiny, even unbelievers get this whole sense of, like, I'm going to create this movie for Hollywood, and the whole focus on the, on the movie is going to be about purpose. And that, basically, you're created with purpose, and, and sort of, like, the whole point of the movie is, like, throughout the movie in the beginning, you're trying to find your purpose. And, and if you, have you guys ever seen Matrix? Okay. Okay, I know I was tripping. And then... And then, what, and then toward, like, so throughout the whole movie, the whole struggle is, is this really my purpose? What is my purpose, right? And then toward the end, obviously, he realizes his purpose uh, is as a chosen one. Well, that's, that's Hollywood's futile attempt uh, to try to uh, copy uh, what God has already said, and that is what we have purpose. So if Satan can hijack your purpose and my purpose, then, then he's won. And that's what's happening as we walk around our communities and we're talking with people and people have their whole focus in, you know, a girl or they think, you know, there's no reason to live or we have, you know, suicidal thoughts. You know, I, I don't, I'm not really of worth. Or you, what, think about whatever you're putting your hope in uh, apart from God. Really, it comes back to this issue of us believing that God's not good or that he doesn't exist, which then now you have no purpose for living. Because if God doesn't exist, then why are you created? If you don't know why you're created, then why do you live? So now you go through your day, and it's kind of meaningless. You see that slippery slope? I even see it in marriage. When we talk about marriage, you know, I have guys a lot of times who want me to, to marry them. Uh, and I'm like, if you don't love Jesus, like, it's, it's hilarious. Like, you know, this guy who's like, I want you to marry us. You know, he's like, but don't talk much about Jesus. And he's like, and I want you to, since we can't talk about Jesus, what I want to do, I remember one time we saw it on, um, on one of those shows, they were getting married, and so because they couldn't talk anything about Jesus, they had like this big thing of sand, and they tried to make the huge ceremony about the different colors of sand being grabbed, you know, mixed together and all this stupid stuff. And, and, and it sounded stupid to me as a Christian, but I even think unbelievers are like, that's stupid. And the reason why is because, is because the purpose of marriage is to model the Trinity, Right, and so if you're getting, oh, some people know what I'm talking about. What, what show was it? No, they, they did. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought, I know, I thought the head go down. I'm like, what happened over there? <laughs> hey, well, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> all right. God can redeem all things, right? So, so, I don't know if you can redeem this one. So maybe, maybe you put a, a, a God-centered spin on it. Maybe you did. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But, but these people definitely. <laughs> but it was on The Bachelor. I remember now. And um, don't act like you ain't seen The Bachelor. And um, you had a crazy spin. Let's move on. So. Unbelievable. Every week. Okay. <laughs> Verse 26. I'm going to hear it afterwards, too. They're going to come up and give me their big treaty on why they did it, right? Um, okay. So, 
So the scriptures read, verse 26, and then God said, let us make man in our, in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along um, the ground. Now, let us make man um, in our image. You know, like he says, image and likeness. I propose to you, know, there's different thoughts like that. These are two different things. Uh, again, I don't think so. I think it seems it seems clearly as you look throughout, as you read scripture, that is an apposition, basically a synonym. When you say the same thing in a different way, image and likeness uh, seems, I would say, to be more accurate. But the question that's on the table a lot of times is let us. What is this whole us thing? Is this the Trinity or our I mean, there's two big arguments. There, there's other arguments. I don't think the other ones are worth discussing. But but these two. I can see. Uh, first, is it the Trinity? Um, is he talking, you know, is it Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? And he's saying, let us make men in our own, in our own image. Or is he talking uh, to the, uh, the angelic host as he is in, you know, his reign, he's in heaven, and he's saying, hey, guys, we're going to make man in our image. He's not saying, like, that they are made um, as God, but that, hey, he's there and he's announcing it to the angels. Uh, theologians will mostly, just to tell you, theologians will mostly agree uh, that he's announcing this um, to the angelic host. I actually disagree with the theologians. Um, and and, and I, I guess I'm a theologian too. But, uh, but, um, but I, 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 I mean, you can have either one and you'll still be a Christian. I propose that this is actually uh, him discussing, talking about the Trinity. And I, the main reasons why um, some theologians would say it's not is because he would say, in, uh, in this day and time, Moses did not understand because of the, mono, the monotheism that they were very serious about as a Jew, that he would have no concept about uh, this three-person God. Um, whereas I, my, my pushback is, but also Jacob wouldn't as well, and all the different people in the scriptures who saw the angel of the Lord, which was, um, I would say, the likeness of Jesus. Um, and they just thought that was probably the father. Who knew who they thought it was? In fact, they probably thought it was just um, an angel. Whereas we know that that the people the, that throughout scriptures, as you read through the Old Testament, a lot of times when you see the angel of the Lord, um, that is a description of um, Jesus Christ. So, all that to say, I don't think necessarily they would have to know themselves that it was a Trinity for it to be the Trinity. Okay, so um, I think it makes more sense when you talk about let us. It would have to be people who are in the same image and likeness. So I'm, I'm in that camp. That is, it is the Trinity. That's probably too academic for you guys, but I thought I'd give you your money's worth early. So, um, uh, created in his image and likeness. What does that mean, though? And then we're going to go into some big picture stuff. I just want to go through some of the semantics so we can just wrestle with this just a little bit. What does it mean to be created in his image and likeness? And there's a big reason why I'm, I'm taking this kind of... Um, Kind of slow. Uh, the doctrine of the image of God, Imago Dei, you hear us talk about the image of God, bearing God's image, well, every, you know, five sentences here at Mac Avenue Community Church. And the reason why is not because it's just good theological terms. We are extremely serious that this, this body of Christ here, that one of the main modes of operation that what God has called us to is to bear God's image well through being a counterculture that is missional. Okay, and we're going to unpack that today. We, I would propose to you that the purpose of why you're here is to do those things. Okay, so when he says image of God, this imago day, that means that, that God has created you in His likeness, in in who He is. I would say in His stuff. Now, what does that mean practically? Well, some people would say that means that we're intelligent, that we can communicate, so that we're, we're, we're created like God because you know the animals can't communicate like we do, uh, but we communicate. And I would say maybe that's part of it, but I don't think that's 
all of it. Um, we can see practically because of the fall, there's many people who, are, who can't communicate, but yet they're still creating the image of God. Um, so that can't be the case. Uh, we're all spiritual beings. Um, I also think that's part of it, that we, that we are creating. We have God has, he says, you know, he puts his spirit in us. We're going to talk about that uh, next week. And basically he puts his lips on us and he breathes life into us, a ruach. He breathes life into us. And so, yes, we are spiritual beings. Um, but it seems that that will be sort of short-circuited, that there's more to just us um, just being spiritual beings that remind us of God's image, especially all the different communicable attributes things that we can do like God that he allows us to do seems to be more than just being an immaterial being, okay? Um, And we all have purpose and worth and value and dignity. You know, again, we always talk about that. uh, Specifically, we see how that plays itself out in practical life, that when we realize that every person who's created, every human has dignity, purpose, value, and worth, that's the reason why we're always to have justice and be fair and to treat people kindly. It's because, not because... We're trying to do some job for God because God created these people. It is an affront not to that person alone. It is an affront to God when we disparage someone um, in their image-bearing capacity, when we, when we decreate, when we, uh, when we make them feel like they're less than a, an image-bearer of God. It is an affront to the king. Um, so, yes, we do all have purpose, worth, and value. I propose that this is a harder definition, this whole image and likeness piece. I propose that God has he's made it so complicated because it is complicated, that he doesn't want us to just be able to define this and go home. He wants us to really wrestle with this. He wants us to look and just realize that when God says, I created you in my image and my likeness, that I breathe life into you, that I've made you like me. And so basically, you know, I mean, my man, uh, people know people like Driscoll, he would say it's not that we're in the image of God, but that we are the image of God. That we, we represent God to each other, right? So I would say all these things are true and probably more, right? That, that what it means is, is above all, we are God's image. And the reason why this is an important family, and, and, and please don't miss this, I'm trying to figure out a way to share this for us to own it. Um, and that is, you are loved and known and made by God. That's God's point here. See, we, we can talk about love and we can go by that flippantly and you're made by God. He wants you to pause and think about that for a minute. That each one of us are made by the creator of the universe and then he chooses to make us like himself and to give us dignity, purpose, value, and worth in order for us to have clearly a, a role and an understanding that he's created us with a purpose. I propose to be like him to the world. We're going to get into that in a moment. That what this means is that none of us are second rate up in here. It breaks my heart when I watch people, I, you know, we go to pregnancy aid or, you know, I, I'm talking with individuals and they talk and their heads down and they treat themselves as if they're kind of second tier people. And you walk around and you don't have your head up realizing you're created in the image of a king. See, this is exciting that God wants you to understand that there is purpose, there is valor in this the reality of you being created by him. That we're not second-class citizens. Both poor, socioeconomic, racial, whatever it is, intellectual, pedigree, whatever it is, he's saying those things don't define you. This defines you. Do you think we can be a church where we're defined by us being made in God's image, not in what we have? and what we don't have, and how smart we are, and how we look, and who our family is, and who we're dating, or who we're married to, 
or our kids. All that stuff is a trick of the enemy. You know, we were talking about um, fertility. You know, how many women and how many men have, you know, I remember having, trying to have kids, and oh my goodness, I'm thinking, oh my, will I be able to have kids? And my, just that quick, my identity got caught up. That there was really, like, as if there was some, you know, that God, like, I was viewed like a different person if I couldn't have kids. As if I was less of a man. Do you see the lies in that family? What in your life do you put, you put a status on, you say, that defines me, not this? What is it? Think about it. Think in your own life right now. Maybe you want to jot that down. Some of you guys are in horrible relationships because you let that define you. Some of us aren't parenting right because we let like, how we perceive our kids should be define us. Some of us parent and we're like these demigods because we want our kids to be a certain way and we want that to define us. Some of you won't, some of you, we walk with the Lord family and we won't really go after Jesus like we know he wants us to because we have a perception of what that's going to look like because we let the world define us. What in our life is making us not deal with the fact that God is saying none of that should define you, only that you're created in my image, in my likeness, with purpose, value, and worth. We need to keep going and look at what that, what that looks like. You know, it's funny. Someone gave me the clock. I don't have no clue what I did with it. If y'all find a clock somewhere, y'all can bring it up. That'd be awesome. Um, you're here for a reason. This, you, we are here for a reason. And this is what, you know, at MacAv, people, uh, obviously, we are very, we're, we're pretty convinced we get what the reason is. And that's why we're so serious about what we do here in the sense of training people and forcing you to have to be in someone's life and forcing you to walk with the Lord. Uh, we, we're very serious about that, right? Because we are convinced that we are all here for a reason and that we feel we will be disobedient to Jesus to allow you to act and live life as if you're here for another reason. That's why we're, we, and, and, and every day we, we have all, we have countless opportunities uh, to not have integrity for what we want to be about, but we keep, by God's grace, trying to be true to what we're supposed to be about here. Let me continue on. Let's continue on and read. We did first verse 26. I'm going to hit that back and forth. Thanks, buddy. Um, so God created, we're in verse 27 right now. If you want Bibles, just to make sure I didn't make these slides up, you can actually uh, raise your hand and we'll give you Bibles too. This is actually in the scriptures. You think I'm typing my own stuff in there. Created in Eric's image. Um, so, so it says in verse 27, it says, um, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Uh, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and, of, and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We've got a lot there, okay? You ready to unpack some stuff, fam? All right, we're going to start off... Um, why is gender in the Bible? Okay, let's start there. I don't hear everybody get nervous now. Why is, why is gender in the Bible? Why does God spend time uh, wanting to make this clear? Right, looks like it's not a hard answer. Everybody nervous. You, got, you know the answer, right? God wants us to know that we are distinct. Nothing, nothing deep. The reason why Jesus is very clear in the beginning, and he created man and woman different, uh, but yet he created them in God's image, is because he wants us to understand that there is unity and diversity there. He wants us to be okay with being distinct. 
We are distinct people. Men are different than women. Women are different than men. If you didn't think that was the case, you, you got a wide, it was, the, the eyes are open, especially on your honeymoon, when you realize she was made different than you, right? We are different people. I'm just keeping it real. We are, we, are, we are different people. You know what's interesting? I was writing, and I thought to myself, I'm writing this down, and I'm in a day and age of society where I felt weird writing down that we're distinct people. I felt nervous. What are they going to think? <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Because the society has blurred this reality of creation to the point, right, where we're, we're, we want everyone to be equal, and we want... And, and women, are you, got, you ladies are fighting for equality and saying, I'm just equal as a man. And I'm going, it seems the Bible is saying you shouldn't have to waste that energy. Guess why? You should not have to go around saying that you are equal because God has already told us. Okay? You don't have to have a treaty on why you need to tell people that you need to be treated with equality. All you need to do is point to the scripture. You have to fight for this. Man and woman are distinct, but yet both fully created in the image of God. I just think it's hilarious in this day and age that, that it is, this is weird. <laughs> to, say, to say this, you, you feel kind of weird. I think that, that validates how crazy our society is. Um, so what confirms equality with men and God? I mean, men and, and women? God. Right? God says you're equal. Uh, we don't need to fight over that at all. So God is making it really clear, I've created you distinct, uh, but what's our job description? I'm just fly, I'm flying through that because of time. What's our job description? Now, there's two pieces that I want us to look at here. He wants us to understand what are we supposed to do with this place, and that's rule, right? And then he wants us to know what we need to do in this place, and that's subdue. You see that in the verses there? He tells us to rule. And what does he tell us to rule over, guys? Everything. Everything created. Okay? And he tells us to subdue what? Subdue the earth. Right? So I would propose that the rule piece is the issue of stewardship. The subdue piece is the issue of mission. Okay, we're going to get to that in a moment. Look. So this is, this is, let's say, is, is, is the purpose of every, every human on earth. Um, Look at stewardship. So the main characters of creation, the reason why this is important to talk through is because, again, we look at creation, and I'm a creationist, but we got to be careful. What happens is we talk about creation, and all of a sudden we start thinking that, you know, humans and plants and animals, that we're all, like, have the same dignity and worth and value, and that simply is not true. That's not true. Now, see, that's a scary one to say for Christians because sometimes we get nervous. You think I'm... I'm going to kill the earth. No, that's not what I'm doing here. I'm saying the main characters of creation is not a daffodil. It's humans. Okay? It is humans. And you look at life. I mean, you, I mean, I don't know. Think of how the world would be in two days if a goat was a secretary of state. Right? It wouldn't work out too well for us, huh? So we are made. So I know, I know that's kind of simple, but I want, to, I want to shock us. We are made, just for clarity, if anyone's wondering, we are made higher than animals uh, and plants. Okay, but here's, now here's a caveat. We're made higher. Humans have dignity and value that animals, animal life does not. We are stewards over these things, we, but we actually are 
uh, seen as God's image bearers, okay, which is different than any other created thing. Now, what happens is there's always a distortion of our role. Either we can find everything being sacred, right, so that means all this stuff has the same value as humans, or we can be destructive, okay? We can begin to destroy things or um, destroy the earth. And we, see, and we see this all the time. Basically, we can either worship the earth, uh, you know, we want to do the right things, and we can find ourselves actually worshiping the earth and not wanting, bless you, not wanting to touch things, uh, uh, basically treating the earth and all that's in it as if it was created as humans, which is not the case, um, or we can be narcissistic, right? We only care about ourselves to the earth's detriment. Now, for Christians, I believe, um, I think the unbeliever falls more into the piece of, like, worshiping the earth, seeing the earth as our mother. Uh, us as believers, it's funny, I feel like because... You know, this is my, my opinion. I think with some of the theological frameworks, it gives you the freedom to destroy the earth because you think the earth is going to burn anyway. And so if you think the earth is going to go to pot anyway and you're just waiting to go to heaven and be with Jesus, then that gives you no incentive to care for the earth. Um, I propose that's bad theology. Um, I propose that he's going to not burn the earth, but he's going to recreate the earth, and heaven and earth are going to merge together. Uh, that's what he's going to do, and then we're going to be glorified, and we're going to be with him forever um, in a glorified place, um, of the, heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. And because of that, God is saying that this is our place, and he wants us to take care of it, stewardship. Um, so the fulfillment of our role is stewardship, right? What does that look like? Stewardship is basically, if you want to know, like, what is stewardship, especially uh, kingdom stewardship, is basically saying, this is in layman's terms, what does it look like if God was ruling the earth? That's what, that's what he's saying. But individuals like you and me are saying, what, what would it look like if God was doing these things? If God was here, how would he treat the animals? How would he treat plants? How would he treat, you know, we recycle? How would he treat one another? That's, a, that's, basic, that's what we're supposed to be about. So the first job description uh, is stewardship, right? And he's saying, I, I create you. This is before the fall. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to tend and take care of my creation. That was the mandate before the fall. Okay? And that's what he tells them. He says, I want you to rule over all things here. Rule, why? Why does he tell them to rule? Because it's the sense of, like, I'm the ruler and I'm creating you to do what I do. Why? Because I want you to do what I do in a way that people would know how I would do it. You see that? So when we walk around, the, the goal was for us as individuals to model to one another, to bear God's image to each other in a way that we would act like God and be like God, and it would remind us of God, and God would get all the praise and the glory because he would look around and see all these people imaging him, reminding him of himself. You follow that? See, God is the only person uh, who, can, who, can be, who can be okay about bragging about himself and not be arrogant. But it's his job. It's what he's supposed to do because he deserves all the glory. So that's what he wants. So when, he when we talk about bearing God's image, we're talking about all these beautiful paintings reminding God of himself. He's looking around like, man, I'm beautiful there, and I'm beautiful here, and I'm great here. And what's supposed to happen is that you as I, as individuals, we are supposed to do that throughout the day, imaging God. I would love to take the word gospel and make it a verb, like gospeling. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be like showing God himself in our lives. So we do that through how we interact with each other. But guess what, family? We do that also by how we act about God's creation. 
It matters because this is our place. And God is saying, take care of it like I would. So you are you. Yeah. So think about how you do that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it real. Like I'm, I'm not trying to be petty, but even if you're like littering and you're throwing trash on the ground, you're decreating. God has called you to be a creationist, to to create like he creates. He doesn't destroy. He creates. And he's asking you to be a recreator, to recreate like he will recreate. And so even when we're walking around, we're flippantly not caring about the stuff that he's made. He's saying, that's not what I would do. And I've asked you to treat it like I would treat it. It does matter how we treat this place that he's given us for us. The funny thing about that, I have no clue what I did, my little clicker in my pocket. The funny thing about that is, is it's, not, it's not like we, he gets something out of it. If we, you know, we mess up the earth, <laughs> then what happens, it destroys us. And, and what's interesting is he's given, he's given us all these things so that we can live our best life here on earth. That's what all this stuff is for. Okay, family, I ain't mean to get all like, I'm not, don't think I'm the other guy. I'm just saying balance is stewardship, right? We don't worship the earth. We don't destroy the earth. We are stewards of the earth. Amen? All right, pray I find this clicker. Here it is. Okay. Um, so, he, so he gave us creation so that human life can be best served. Um, we're the rule over creation, not destroy it. We are image bearers that represent and reflect God on the earth. Any questions about that? All right, so first job description was stewardship. Okay, you see the second job description? Look at the verse there. It tells you to, you know, rule over everything, the fish, the creatures, the birds, all these things. Then he says, feel the earth and subdue it, right? Subdue. That's that's our mission. Now, subdue, have kids, right? So he's telling us, he says, I want you to have kids. Now, Now, why have kids? Right. Is it just like, you know, you know, we joke around about this, like Fertile Crescent and stuff like that. So is it just that God wants you to have kids? No. I propose and I'm going to take this a little down the road. God is sovereign, but his goal was not for us just to have kids. He told us to do this when they were fully bearing God's image. Well, his goal was to have kids that bear God's image. So basically the goal was to have kids that are telling God's story as well and that they're raised to do the same thing that we're called to do, and that is to image God. So if you're just having kids, that's half the job description. Now you need to teach them and raise them to be image bearers. You follow me, family? So, so it is extremely important that when you have a kid, God is saying now... You, in order to fulfill this, they need to be bearing God's image well. So they need to understand, like, enjoy, rest in the gospel, believe the gospel, image the gospel, show it to other people. Right? Because this is a missional mandate. God, want, I'm, God wants to see himself all over the place. Do we get that? That's what, that's what God is calling us to, right? Now, and, and sadly... That's why, you know, that's another reason why even abortion is sad, okay? Because notice God's mode of operation is always life, right? It's not death. And so God is calling us not to, see, subdue is the opposite of destroy. (laughs) 
subdue. He, he wants you to feel, overpower the earth with my image, capacity. He doesn't want us to detract from that, not to decreate family. You see that? All right, so, so we're looking at these texts here. Let me just review the story. I want you to see this. This is not just Genesis theology. I want you to see the story because I think the hard, the hard juxtaposition is we're talking about this during a time where there's not the fall. What I want to do is show us how do we fit in this story that God is saying right now, okay? So basically it starts off, God blesses his people. You see that? And that's, and that's a theology all of its own that I don't even know if I have time to get into. Look at verse 28, family. So it says, before, before these, now don't miss this, before these men and women did anything, right, he makes man and woman, and then he blesses them. You notice that? So he blessed them, and then he gives them this mandate. Um, I think there's great, I think there's great suppositions there about how good God is, how God, he, he uh, validates us, confirms us, and loves us, and, and is happy with us, which is what the word bless means, before you even do anything. Um, so he blesses so what he does. God creates us out of love. He blesses us. And then God says, I want you to know where you come from. Right. I've made you. You created with dignity, value and purpose. Right. I have I have a plan for you. There's some stuff I want you to do. He gives you the job, the job description. He tells us to rule. Right. He gives he he says, I want you to rule. I'm going to give everything to you. So he gives us everything. Think of all the stuff we got, and you look at the world and creation. You think of the arts. You know, you got a brother who can play the guitar. All these things God created so we can enjoy. Uh, he gives us everything, and he tells us, now I want you to rule over it. I want you to be my stewards over all this stuff. This is what I've called you to do so that you can enjoy all the things I've given you to, and I've created for it. But then the fall occurs, right? We, and all of a sudden what happens is uh, we distort God's image. Um, our inclination now, because of the fall, before the fall, we're supposed to reflect God. We did it without any problem. After the fall, our inclination is not to reflect God, um, but it's either to be God or to decreate, be an animal. That's, that's, that's where we go usually, right? We either want to be God and say, no, I don't need you, God. I'll be my own God. I don't worship. Or we want to decreate and be destructive and destroy. Okay? Uh, but then what's interesting is during that time, that's our inclination. That's what we're all about um, without, without Jesus. What God does is he says, now, you, your image is marred, but it's not wasted. You, we still bear God's image. That's the beautiful grace of the Lord. Is that he still says, hey, but you're still created um, in my image, and guess what I'm going to do? This is what the gospel is all about. The gospel, guys, is about God re- repositioning you and me to be able to get back on that creation track and fulfill what he's always called us to fulfill, and that is to subdue and to rule and to enjoy perfectly. That's what the gospel is about. Is God, the redemption, it's all about God repositioning you and me because of his son, to be able to fulfill the mandate that he's called us to before the fall, right? So he puts his creation back on track. Um, and what I love about this is in Christ, it's not that, man, now hopefully we can fulfill this destiny. God does it through his son. He says, I guarantee you, you will fulfill this destiny in Christ. That's our story, is that although during before the fall, we have these mandates of subdue the earth and to rule the earth, and we think, well, but now we're in sin. God says, no, 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 but guess what? That's what Jesus is all about. You still have that mandate today. 
and praise the Lord is not in your own strength, but now you can fulfill that mandate because we have the Holy Spirit. We have basically what God has promised us in the end of time. He's given it to us right now in this time in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of the gospel. So now we can live like we were intended to live even now. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can actually you can live a victorious life in Christ today? The biggest trick of the enemy. We, 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 we don't think God is good. We don't really know why we're created. And this is an issue of purpose. See, God is saying, don't you get your purpose? The fall has happened, but your purpose has not been destroyed. He repositions our purpose in Christ. This is our purpose. So here's what happens. So the lives of a defeated enemy... Right. Um, The lie is, okay, Eric, I hear you, but it seems to me that redemption starts when I go to heaven. Right. So so I get I get God has saved me, but, you know, I'll I'll experience that joy when I get to heaven. That's that's a lie. God is saying redemption starts now. The truth of God is that he's placed us in this place now. This thing can work. That is now in a difference. Notice this. The difference is, is before the fall, we were doing it out of obedience um, in a perfect world of Christ, right? We were, we're, we're, we're living and we're imaging God out of obedience in Christ. After the fall, we're doing it on a mission for a fallen world. You see the difference? So before the fall, we're living out of obedience. We're enjoying Christ. We're reflecting God to one another, and we're, and we're doing this, and we're reflecting God to himself. And then what happens, the fall happens, and things change in the sense that, oh, well, you still have that mandate to subdue. You still have that mandate to rule. But now we're doing it because now we are in a counterculture where we're doing it for a fallen people. So now we're imaging God not only to bring glory to Christ, but to reveal the glory of God to people who don't see the glory of God. So now what happens is this missional component has a whole new piece, and that is to fallen people. I want us to get this. This is very key to like just, uh, the, the nuance of what we're about here at Mac Avenue Community Church, is that, is that at Mac Avenue Community Church, we are convinced that every believer is a missionary. Every person. And that's why here, that's why here no one sits the bench. That's why we say every person needs to be engaging in the gospel life, needs to be missional, and needs to be experiencing Jesus in their life and portraying Jesus to the world because it is our mandate, it is the purpose for which by you were born. Every one of us is a missionary. So even in your own private and public sectors, God has called you to wrestle with what does it look like for you to image God to other people, to allow them to see Jesus. Um, so the mandate is still to subdue the earth. What does this mean? Uh, what does that mean practically? This is, um, let me explain this a little bit. I went through a lot of text here. Anybody, any questions? <laughs> okay, so counterculture. Let me explain this. This, and the reason I want to explain it is because I, I think sometimes people thinking they're doing counterculture where they're actually doing subculture. Uh, there's a difference between being a counterculture and a subculture. Okay, a subculture, you have your culture, and you don't care if it affects dominant culture or not. You follow me? Subcultures, they stay within themselves, and you do your thing, 
And you, under, and you, and culture is what makes us, us as people, right? So you do your thing, you're hanging out, you're enjoying, maybe you're a skater. And we see this, and we, and we can actually have this in the midst of, of, of churches, right? Right? You, you have people who have all these affinity groups, and there's absolutely no community, but everybody's with their own little crew. And so you don't have a group of people being a counterculture to a world. You have a bunch of subculture, subcultures, right? So you got the skaters, you know, and you got the brothers, and you got the yuppity white folks, and you got the... You know, and you got all the different cultures and everyone just doing their thing and no one's commingling and gospeling to each other. Are you following me? God has not, that is, that is an antithesis of our job description. Jesus said, subdue the earth. Now we're on a missional call to subdue the earth. Why? Because the world is falling. He said, guess what? What I want you to do is I want you to be a, not a subculture where you do your own thing. I want you to be a counterculture where people see what you do and want to be a part of it. Do you see the difference? The counterculture tells people that Jesus is good, but it doesn't act like the culture. It doesn't take its cues from the dominant culture. We need to be very careful, especially our young crew. You think you're being cool. What you're really doing is taking your cues from the world. God has called us to be a counterculture. and He says, I want you to be super, robustly bibliocentric. I want you to be serious about holiness, and I want you to, I want you to live a life like God has created you to intend, I want you to love your kids in a gospel-centered way. I want you to have friendships in a gospel-centered way where you have an accountability and you're praying, you're seeking the Lord. I want you to enjoy fishing or whatever you do in a way that the world goes, wow, we don't do it like that. Look at that. I want you to be a light to the nations, counterculture. And that's, see, that's what we're trying to be here. See, if you're, if you're new here or if you've been coming here for a little bit and you don't get it, we, we are not just trying to do the church thing. You thought you were just coming to church. You got us twisted. That's not our deal. And we're going to be making changes to force you to have to deal with that. Because we are here to definitely, and, and, and make no mistake about it, to see this area redeemed for Jesus. Okay? That's all we're here. And for that to then spread throughout Detroit. So that Detroit would have to realize that the gospel is here. That's, that's, there's, make no mistake about it. And so, you know, I've, I've fallen off a little bit and I've gotten comfortable and tried to, you know, make sure we had people nice bump that. We're getting back to being about what we are about here, and that is caring for this community, and that is living life together, and fighting the fight of faith together, and loving each other, so the world will go, wow, so that's what it looks like for people just to just love Jesus, and hang out, and care for each other, and, and, and give of themselves, and not be just consumers about society, but really robustly about Jesus. That's what it looks like. I want to hang with that. We are light and darkness. Do you believe that? See, it says, uh, the whole concept, when you read the scriptures, see, I think we come with our presupposition. You look at that sense when he talks about a city on the hill. Get the concept, family. The city on the hill, we can think about, oh, that's cool. You know, it's like there's this little place in your light. Yeah, but his point is that you're a city within a city. Do you see that? Do you see the exegesis there? He said, no, it's not. It's, it's that. There's a culture. Don't you be naive to not recognize that. Be a counterculture within a culture that shines brightly so the world has to take notice. You see what I'm saying? Subdue the earth. He says, you still have this mandate, but it's changed now. It's for a fallen world. So we can get our creation project back online, family. The world tells you and me every day to consume and die. That's life. 
How many of you right now, if you were honest, this is your purpose? We're just here to consume and die, to try to, you know, maybe it's the girl to try to just, you know, make some money, to just, you know, I want to have notoriety, you know, all the things. Y'all just want to consume and then I'm going to die. Man, what a trick and what a lie. What a fake life you're living. And it breaks my heart. God tells you to give your life. Give your life. Give your life to really live. See, I'm telling you, uh, there's a few people that, you know, have not plugged in and God had given them some other things. And I, I praise the Lord for that. Usually, though, usually people don't sign on a dotted line because they don't want to give their life. Usually. I'm going to put it out there. Every once in a while, we get somebody who actually serious considering the gospel, but God's saying, I want them to do this over here, and I'm, you know. But usually because, you know, they look, they go, whoa, you want me to give my life? I'm cool. I'll just come on Sunday. What's the point? The point in those two verses, the point of him saying, I've given you everything. I've given you birds. And do you think of that when you see the bird? You ever see that, you know, you're in your, you're in your house and you look out the window and there's a bird riding a tree near your, in your, near your house? You ever think, wow, God just, he wanted to bless me with seeing that. He, he gave the birds just for me to enjoy, for you to enjoy. It's not about us being demigods. It's not about us being narcissistic. It's about enjoying God's creation. Have you ever thought that? Wow, it's snowing. The Lord, the Lord wants me to enjoy the snow. I know some of that. It's hard to believe for some of you guys. <laughs> He's given us all this to enjoy. So he does that. Then he says, you know, I've done that. I've created you, and I've given you all this stuff so you can believe something, that I am good and you are significant. Next week we're going to get into something else. We're going to see how we're significant but insignificant at the same time. Right now we'll just say you're significant. Okay, so you feel good about yourself. All right, we're so significant. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> uh, let me continue on, family. A lot of information. What do you take away from there? I, my prayer is that you and me will be convinced, man, that man, God loves us. Man, he's created all this for us. And wow, there is a job description. Please don't leave here and say that you don't know the job description that you're called to by Jesus. God has called each one of us to rule and subdue. And it's clear as day, he wants us to rule and to be imaging him, to show the world what it looks like when God takes care of his stuff. And he wants us to subdue. He wants us to let the world see us as a counterculture. And guys, that's one of the reasons, family, that's one of the reasons why we ask you to be in this community. Um, Because if we're really trying to be a light, if we're really trying to let people see, we need to be together. It's hard to say, oh, yeah, we're enlightened, so we'll you know, flicker over it. We're saying, hey, the reason we're going to be together is because we want people to see what it looks like when a culture, culture is loving the Lord, not individuals. You follow me? It's intentional, family. It's intentional. Um, do we need to, how y'all doing? Y'all want to stand up? Stand up real quick, y'all. I know that's a lot of information. Praise the Lord. (laughs) 
love it. Like 40 hands start stretching. So Holy Spirit was guiding me, see? All right, y'all. Let's sit back down. We got to get back to it. All right. So, <laughs> All right. Verse 30, 31. Y'all ready? All right. We're almost home. Praise him. All right. He says, and to the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, this is him telling you what you want us to rule, right? Everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. He gives us trees. He gives us everything. I love he says, I give you all this stuff. Just don't miss that. Don't think you're being selfish to say, man, God has given all this for me. All of us. It's unbelievable. He says, and it was so. Remember what it was so means? It was so. That what God says he's going to do. It happens without any discussion. God saw all that he has made. It was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning uh, the sixth day. <clears throat> so God gives us all this stuff for his enjoyment for the sake of time. Uh, thus it says in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, which I propose is, a, again, a compilation. He's just sort of summarizing all of what God has done. Um, point there uh, is that God finishes his work. I, I, I wish I could camp out on this uh, because I, I think this matters to us in the sense of sanctification, is that when you look throughout scripture, uh, one of the main reasons that he says this, I mean, it just reminds me of uh, Jesus on the cross, and it's this concept that God wants to remind us of something. He reminds us that, hey, you know what? I, I said I was going to create. I did it, and I'm done. And then he says, guess what? Yeah, I said I was going to redeem the world. Guess what? I lived a life. You spit on me. You dogged me. You murdered me. But it was finished. He says, I did it. I redeemed all things. I'm sitting in the right hand of the Father. I'm resurrected and fully glorified. And I'm the king of the universe. And everyone has to answer to me. And the reminder there is that God, every time he said he's going to do something, he finished it. And guess what it says in the scriptures? It says the work that he's begun in you and me, he will complete it until the day of redemption. He will make us who he wants us to be. And that's a beautiful thing, that one day I will stand before my king and I will enjoy his presence forever. We can relish in that and we can rest in that. You can study that in your own time. I just want to give you this, the cliff notes real quick. God finishes his work. Huge theological, theological treaty. <clears throat> uh, two through four, and then we're going to go home, fam. Uh, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he has been doing uh, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. I don't even think we've got enough time to go through this. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because um, on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Very intense verses here. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, um, which is, uh, I would propose, our, our bookings. Uh, notice... Um, I think in the beginning, God created the, the heavens and earth. Here, in uh, the chapter one, I propose God, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Um, chiastic structure, structure. So, God finished and then rested. We talked, like, talked about this a little bit a while ago. Um, what's one of the main reasons that he rests, family? An example? Yeah, to be a model? What else? To party? <laughs> I love Caleb. Yeah, so okay, so so one of the main reasons people and we had a good question a couple of weeks ago. So like, tell me about the Sabbath. Why why does he rest? Does he have to rest? Is he tired? No. And we talked about the reality that um, first God wants to he takes time to enjoy what he's created, 
right? There's a sense of what God does. He looks back on creation and he says, wow, look at, look at what I've done. Look how cool I am, uh, which is a model to us. I propose that he wants, he wants to model uh, for us to take time uh, to, enjoy, to enjoy what happens in our life. See, the, one of the communicable attributes that God has given us, it says um, in Genesis uh, that we, we create, like God, like we create babies in our, in our image, right? And that's, I would propose, is a way that God allows us to do that. So um, you even see that in the scriptures, I believe it's Genesis 5, where um, people are, kids are born, and he says they were made in the image and likeness of, of the dad. And we see that when people look like you and you have a kid. So um, God allows us to create, and then we're here inventing things and doing stuff. And God is saying, just like him, he wants us to enjoy creation, to enjoy what we do, to enjoy um, how we are being God's vice regents on earth. Okay? Let me continue on real quick. So rest and enjoy is a huge component here. Nothing really sexy, but, but I want us to understand something about the Sabbath. Um, Sabbath rest, first and foremost, um, you know, when I was in econ class, a lot of times they would talk about, you ever heard of, of, of leisure uh, or um, leisure time? And so the concept is in macro, micro econ, when you take those, and you probably remember this, I don't know, uh, uh, Josh, they would talk about the richer you get, the more leisure time you can experience, right? And so the whole, the whole concept there is that, well, if you're broke, I guess the brother don't get the rest. But... Um, but that's not the case. Contrary to popular opinion, God has said the Sabbath. He says, man, some of us, uh, if, we don't, if we don't get rest, we're going to kill ourselves. Okay? He's, this is something that he's mandated. Now, for a while, I must tell you, and I know Nate's not here, I, um, for a while I was talking about the, the Sabbath being fulfilled in Christ. Um, I still think that's the case, but the concept has God still wants us to obey. And there's a couple of reasons why I would say that. The Sabbath peace. Um, is first and foremost, is God is saying to us, I would say the Sabbath, now don't miss this, the Sabbath is, not, is more not about rest than trust. It seems that what God is saying, and that's why he doesn't really care about the day, you know, Colossians 2.16, he's not really caring about when you do it. Uh, we go, was it Saturday or Sunday, uh, which is interesting. You know, we have two off days because of, you know, the Jewish day, Sabbath was Saturday, and then Constantine, like what, in in the 300s, uh, being, a, being a Christian said, hey, I want it to be the day of the resurrection, Sunday. And so you had two off days. So that's how we got our off days. So my point in that is like the day really doesn't matter, okay? Uh, the, the issue is trust. See, the question is, you got to ask yourself, if you're a workaholic like me, is what kind of gospel are you demonstrating to people when you model that you do not trust God? When you're always working and you don't have any days where you just chill and you say, no, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to hang with my kids. I'm going to play with my, play with my family and hang with my wife. I'm going to love with some brothers or some sisters in the community. I'm going to rest. What are you modeling to people? What gospel is that? That you know what? God is king and he's ruling everything, but I got to do all this stuff. What kind of gospel are you and I modeling? I was in a deep conviction when I began to just read the scriptures and meditate and see that, man, I'm not trusting God when I don't rest. And, and, I'm, and I'm modeling a warped gospel to people. So that was one of the reasons I was convinced. I'm convinced that God is saying, no, I've done this. But also, notice... Um, Real quick, before I go to the second point, so when does something work? So you go, well, when do I work to me if I'm doing, if I'm fixing my car, does that work? God is like, that's irrelevant. God is saying he wants you to sit and enjoy life. So you need to ask yourself, what does it look like for you to enjoy life? What does it look like for you to rest? 
Okay, family, it's not this is not about being pharisaical. This is not about being um, not grace motivated. This is not about legalism. This is about the gospel. And he wants you to say, what does it look like for me to rest like God rested? Okay, fam. All right. Now, see, because in Colossians 2, it talks about the Sabbath is for us. See, we're not for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for us. The Sabbath is for us to be healthy believers. It's for us to enjoy God. It's for us to enjoy God's creation. It's for us to enjoy one another. Right. It's for us. So he's saying, how do you use the Sabbath to maximize God's glory and to maximize your delight? So can you think about it for for now on like that? The Sabbath is for me to maximize my delight. That's God's point. I want you to enjoy this creation. But this other piece is a biggie. Notice that this is the first time in the scriptures where God where God makes something holy. Did you notice that? That God blessed it and made it holy. His first thing, he makes a day holy. He says, and his point there wasn't again the day. His point was like, I'm so serious about this that it's sacred for you and me to sit and understand that I want you to trust me. And this is a clear model, a clear demonstration that you trust God. Doesn't it make you feel the heebie-jeebies when you're hanging out with somebody? And you're like, what's up, man? They're like, well, I'm just, I'm, you know, are you working? And they're like, hey, man, well, I'm, I'm just hanging out. I'm just taking a Sabbath. Man. I'm just resting the Lord. You're like, ah. You know, because you're not doing it. Have you ever felt like that? Or somebody, somebody's being like super gospel and you're like being a pagan. You know what I'm saying? I'm the only one who's experienced that. Well, you know, and, but this is hard. This is hard, especially I would tell you for people who um, have to take their work home. Um, entrepreneurs and moms, right? And maybe, um, you know, individuals who take their work home because uh, me and Aaron was talking because it's always there. You know, kids don't go, well, mom, I know you're tired. I'm going to give you a break today. No. When we get home, we got work. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you're, and, and, being, even a, and being in ministry, being in ministry, it's like just there's always something to do. You know, people always going to need Jesus, always going to be walking with the Lord. We're fighting a fight of faith. And it's like, when am I going to say no? I'm going to chill. God is on the throne. This is his body. And no, I'm resting. No, I know I can't talk to you right now. I'm hanging out with my family. And knowing that God's pleased with that, you know? Um, all right, in a nutshell, this is the issue. The world does not work the way it should, okay? Um, we looked at sex. The world doesn't work the way it should. Gender, um, go through any aspect of that we've talked about today as we look through creation um, in Genesis 20, 26 up to uh, Gen- Genesis 2, 4. All those things are marred because of the fall, all right? Um, our first parents couldn't do it. That's the whole issue here. Adam and Eve couldn't do it, uh, but our second parent could. Uh, Jesus, what he does is he, again, repositions us to experience what we were supposed to experience um, before the fall. Here's the question. The question that Genesis is providing for us as we are New Testament believers, as we are uh, new creation believers, we are now on the other side of the resurrection experiencing God's glory. Is he saying, will you be like your parent or will you begin to reflect like your old parent? Will you be like Adam or will you be like Jesus? That's what he's asking us, right? Um, do, you, do you believe you are here on divine mission? Do you believe you are here on divine mission? 
One of the things we're going to do, we're not going to do it right now because our MAD groups are right now rebuilding their DNA. We've started a lot of MAD groups right now. But in the next two months, month and a half, this is, this is something that we want, we want MAD groups to do. This is not a suggestion really saying we want this to be a MAD group issue. And that is each individual MAD group needs to have a mission. Because what we're doing is we're, we're getting in the Word, we're eating dinner, you know what I'm saying? But we're not talking to people in our community, and that is not why I came here. And I know that's not why you came here. And so guess what we're doing? In the next month and a half, as we build our DNA, each MAT group, we will build, we will have a mission statement. We will say, I'm in, like, I'm on Seminole, um, I'm Jim Salem's on Fisher, he's a part of our MAT group. We're going to say our MAT group, and our mission is to see people come to Christ on Seminole and Fisher, or see, or to talk to and hang out with uh, three unbelievers each. I mean, whatever the mission is, having it gospeling, having it gospel-centered, missional, where people are hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, experiencing people who are in a counterculture so they can see what it looks like when God's people are being God's people, are, being, are subduing the earth. And each group, we're going to do that. We're going to have a mission statement so that if you want to say, oh, I want to be part of Matt group, I want to be a disciple, okay, well, here's the mission of our Matt group. Can you be down with that? Because if you can't be down and want to see people in this community come to Jesus, you shouldn't be in a missional group here. You shouldn't be here doing that because discipleship, well, everything we're doing right now in this stage in the game is to, is to resource an under-resourced group. And that is a messed up community that we're about in a 482 and 4. Okay? So a uh, month and a half to two, in two months, we should all have mission statements. We'll, we'll give us a month, month and a half, and just build our DNA, just make sure we're trusting each other, loving each other, experiencing life together. But then guess what? At least a couple of times a week, we're not going to just be sitting around eating steak. We're going to go out, and we're going to be putting ourselves out there for Jesus, okay? That's all I got. Um, let's do this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, we're going to have a time of, of, of tithing and offering, and we're going to have a time of communion, guys. I'm so over Hey, let's do the time of communion. If you're new here, we're asking you, if you don't love Jesus, that's cool. You need to sit, though. Uh, communion is not for you. It is for those who love Jesus, okay? Um, that represents the body broken, the bread, the blood shed for Jesus, um, by Jesus is the, uh, the wine we drink uh, to remind ourselves that he died and also he rose from the dead and he's victorious. We take that to remember uh, Jesus and the Lord's death until he comes again. You can take that anywhere in this room. You can take it at any time. Uh, just go around, take that. Uh, we're going to sing a song uh, while we're doing this. We're going to have tithe and offering. If you're new here, be our guest. It was so good to have you. Thank you so much. We're not asking you to, uh, we're not trying to have you give money out of compulsion. We ask you, please, to keep your wallets and your purses to your side. Um, this is about worship. So if you're MacAver, you get that. Please worship the Lord and give. If you are not a MacAver, you love Jesus.